Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We're continuing with our series, Above All, and we have a brand, new, a brand new message today. And what we've been doing in our time together is studying every single miracle that Jesus did. The Bible recorded 37 miracles that Jesus did in his three and a half year earthly ministry. He did many, many more. John said that if they wrote down every miracle that Jesus did, all of the books in the world could not contain them. But uh, we've been looking at the ones that are recorded. And so today we're going to look at a fresh new miracle. Y'all ready? All right, let's go to the book of John, chapter 9. Going to read a few verses there, and then we're going to dig in. John chapter 9, verse 1, and it reads as follows. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? Jesus said, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent me because there is a little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground made mud with the saliva and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. This was a super unique miracle. And he told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and he came back seen. Now I want to fast forward now to verse 39 of that same chapter, and we'll finish it off. Then Jesus told him, now he's talking to the blind man once again. I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, are you saying we are blind? And Jesus Jesus replied, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought. What box is he in? What box is he in? Let's take a moment and pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to gather once again here, those that are both in the room and those that are watching from home. Father, I just pray that you would speak to us today out of your word. Our desire is to take your word, hear your word, and then through the conviction of the Holy Spirit to then live out your word. So I pray that our ears would be open, that our spirits would be willing to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What box is he in? Now, the crazy thing about expectations, I'm going to talk about expectations for a moment, is if you expect one thing and you get an entirely different thing, it can mess with you, right? Let me tell you a little story about me and Joanna when we first got married. When Joanna and I first got married, it was in the first year of our marriage, we went to Disneyland. Come on, the happiest place on earth. For my Disney fans, Alexa and Steven. So we we go to Disneyland and and we got the park hopper passes. So we were going to do Disneyland one day, California Adventure the next day, spend the night at the hotel. So I booked this hotel online. 
It looked great online. It had good reviews online. I mean, I thought, you know what, babe? This is going to be a nice-looking hotel, my 23-naive-year-old self, okay? And uh, my wife and I show up with this expectation that the hotel was going to look some sort of way. Y'all hear me? It was a dive, okay? It was an absolute dive. I mean, when we got there, it was under construction. Okay, we didn't see that online. Uh, when we got there, uh, let's just say there was a lot of activity happening in the hotel that night. Uh, when we went to sleep that night, I think we locked every uh, lock on that door. And then I think I even slid a table in front of the door just for good measure. I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm not taking any sort of chances. But we had this expectation, right? We had this expectation of one thing and then we got another. You guys get what I'm talking about? Expectations. When you expect one thing, but you get something that's completely different. And in our text today, there are some expectations that were not met. Now, now some are good because sometimes we just... How many ever had your expectations exceeded? And that's great, right? Like how many ever gone somewhere where you thought, I didn't know it was going to be that good? Let me, let me give you a quick story on that. This wasn't on my notes, so buckle up, all right? Uh, one of my favorite places to eat, Maggiano's. How many just love Italian food? I love Maggiano's. They don't got them in San Diego, so you either got to go to Costa Mesa or Vegas to find it. But anyway, we, my wife and I went to Maggiano's. We went to go have uh, dinner at Maggiano's, and the waitress recommended to us the butter cake. And that cake exceeded every expectation. Come on. If you like butter and you like cake, you're going to love butter cake. All right. It sounds every bit as delicious as the name. Um, but, and so, so sometimes expectations are exceeded, but when they're not met, there's this disappointment, right? Like the air is let out of the room. And so in our story today, and we're going to unpack all of this, some of the expectations were exceeded and some of them were just not met. And, and so when we get to John chapter nine, as I always teach at Lighthouse Church, you got to take into consideration context, all right? How many know that context is everything? Context is everything. you got to get the context. So when we get to John chapter 9, this is the story of Jesus healing a blind man. Now, we have been working our way sequentially through all of the miracles that Jesus did here on earth, but I want you to get something. I actually skipped through pretty quickly that I need to tie in now because in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, Jesus healed a deaf man with a speech impediment. So he couldn't hear and he had a speech impediment. So he wasn't able to talk any way that was audible and intelligible and you couldn't understand him. And, the, and, and we read in the scriptures that, that when they brought this person who was deaf and who could not talk to Jesus, Jesus took him and the Bible says that he took him to a private place. And once he got him into a private place, now watch this, okay? The Bible says that Jesus gets his fingers puts them inside the man's ears, all right? And when he's done with that, he, he then gets some saliva. He spits onto his fingers and then touches the man's tongue and says, be opened. And then all of a sudden, that man could talk and that man could hear. Now, now, now that's pretty strange, right? I, I, how many of y'all want me to do that type of miracle on you right now? Come on, let's go. I'll spit on my hand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Very strange, right? But, but, but he wasn't done. If you go to Mark chapter 8, the very next chapter over, Jesus healed a blind man. And, and the Bible says that the way that he healed this blind man in Mark chapter 8, 22 was he spit directly onto this guy's eyes. Okay? Spit directly onto this man's eyes. 
and then rubbed it, okay? And, and the Bible says that at first, Jesus said, can you see? And this guy said, I see shadows. I can't tell if it's a person or a tree. So then Jesus once again put his hands on his eyes and it was then that he fully received his sight. So there were these two miracles that happened and then we get to John chapter nine. This is important, okay? You gotta see the context. You gotta see that the disciples are receiving this, probably tripping out like, Jesus is strange. I mean, he's got some strange ways of healing people. And so when we get to John chapter 9, I think now they got some boldness. Whereas before they were like, look, you want to spit? You want to do saliva? Finger in the ear? Go for it, Jesus. Just do whatever you want to do. But when they get to John chapter 9, finally someone asks the question. The Bible doesn't say who it is, but my venture was it was Peter. Peter was always the one speaking up. And, and, and so we get to John chapter 9, and they asked Jesus the question when they saw a blind guy. They said, okay, Jesus. Why is this guy blind? Was he blind because of something that he did or because of something that his parents did? I want you to, want you to pay close attention to that because what they did is they asked Jesus a leading question. Do you all know what a leading question is? You're trying to lead someone to an answer. So you ask a question, but in a way, you're trying to ask the question in a way to get the type of answer that you want to hear. But they gave Jesus two options. They said, was it his sin? Or was it his parents in? Why is this man blind? They're just now trying to get some understanding as to why Jesus is healing, you know, deaf people, blind people. Now they want to understand. This is the third time they see it. And they're like, okay, why is this man blind? And so they asked Jesus this question. But here's the deal. When they asked Jesus this question, the way in which they asked the question, they made it seem like there was only one. Uh, I'm sorry. They made it seem like there was only one of two uh, answers to this question. Well, it's either he messed up or his parents messed up. Which one is it? And you got to understand that the way that they asked that question was because of the tradition of their day. Whenever someone was in a condition like this, born blind, they said, oh, come on, it's got to be the parents. The parents must have done something. And so if I were to say it differently, what the disciples were trying to do was they were trying to put Jesus inside of the box of tradition when they said it's either his fault or his parents' fault. Which one was it? But I like this, and I want you to write this down. This is my first point today. Jesus is not bound by the box of tradition. Jesus is not bound by the box of tradition because they said, is it A or B? And Jesus tells his disciples, neither. The reason this man is, is blind is so that the power of God could be seen in him. So he's like, look, it ain't one. And it ain't two. It's option number three. He's blind now. And the reason he's in this condition is because I am going to manifest my power in him. And don't you love it when Jesus can come and just flip the scenario like that? Don't you just love it that they said, according to traditions, he can only be one or two. Jesus steps forward and says, hold on a second. I'm not bound by your tradition. Hold on a second. You can't put me into the box of your tradition. And I believe that God still works in this way. I do. Because many times we allow ourselves to get put in a tradition. And oftentimes it's a tradition that's imposed on us. For example, you don't get to choose your parents. So whether you love them or not, they're your parents. So if whether you agree with their decisions or not, you don't get to go to God and ask for a refund. <laughs> They're your parents, okay? And so that's the condition you are born into. You don't get to choose your socioeconomic status when you're still a child. So whatever your parents got, if they got a lot, they got a little, that's what you got to work with. You know what else you don't get to choose? Your ethnicity. You're born 
into that. And you don't get to choose any of those sort of things. And so it's very easy now for you to look at your condition and allow yourself to then bind yourself to the traditions that will impose on your condition. Let me say it this way. If your parents didn't finish college, you might think, I don't have a chance at finishing college. Because tradition says, well, if your parents didn't do it, you're not going to do it. Tradition might say, if your parents only had so much money, you don't get to come out of that lifestyle. Whatever you were born into, that's what it's going to be. Your ethnicity. If, if, you were born in, if you were born a minority, for those of you watching line or in the room, if you're born a minority, you might think, I have to work twice as hard. That's the condition that you were born into. But Jesus tells his disciples that he wasn't going to let tradition or condition hold this man hostage from his healing. Notice that the disciples weren't even talking about his healing. They just said, why is he blind? And Jesus was seen further ahead. He's saying, I'm about to reveal my power in his life. You see, too many times we look at our condition as if there's no getting out of it. There's no getting out of my home situation. There's no getting out of my socioeconomic status. There's no getting out of this condition that I have. But Jesus was saying is my power is about to rest on this man and he will be healed. The disciples didn't even have faith to look that far ahead. But Jesus was looking that far ahead. See, what happens is we've subscribed to traditions that God doesn't play by. You got to be careful. Sometimes you subscribe to a tradition that God is not bound by. He's not playing by those traditions. And not only is he not bound by those traditions, time and time again in the scriptures, we see that you can't box him by traditions. And in this scenario, he tells his disciples that this man, watch this, is exactly where he needed to be in order to receive the power of God in his life. Can I talk on that for just a moment? Because some of you are exactly where you need to be in order for God to reveal his power in your life. Sometimes, because we prioritize our comfort, and, and, and in this American gospel that is perpetuated in our country, we, we, we act as if the sign of God's blessing and favor over your life is that you got a lot of money and no problems. That's not the gospel, though. That's not the gospel. It could be further from it. So as a matter of fact, you might be in an, uh, in an uncomfortable situation, but you're exactly where God wants you to be. Think about that for a second. If you weren't in that position, God couldn't manifest his power in your life. If you weren't in such great need, you wouldn't need a great savior. So sometimes the condition that you are in is exactly where you need to be in order for God to do the impossible. But if you listen to the bad news around you or the traditions all around you, you might think this bad place that I'm in can't be of God, but it is of God because God wants to manifest his power in your life. And here's the deal. Some of you want comfort and God wants you to have an encounter. Some of us just want a comfortable life and God's like, I'm not concerned with your comfort as much as I am you having an encounter with me. I want you to have an encounter with me in a radical way. And if I got to get you out of your comfort zone, so be it. Because the reality is, as long as we're comfortable, many of us don't even cry out to God. When everything is going well, we're not reaching out to him. So, so don't put God in a box of your traditions because your traditions can't stop God from demonstrating his power here on this earth. He, he wants to demonstrate his power here on this earth but if you're not careful, you'll say, no, God, th there's this box that you have to operate in, and it's my tradition. And it's got to be done this way. And if it's not done this way, you can't operate. Can I take it a step further? 
All right, this one's going to be a little harder, but I love you all, okay? I love you all, all right? Don't let your traditions get in the way of what God is doing in others. I'll say that one more time. Don't let your traditions get in the way of what God wants to do to others. Because here's what I found. I found that many church people, they don't have an issue with God doing the miraculous in my life, but they take exception when God does the miraculous in someone else's life and we think they shouldn't receive it. Yeah, we get real churchy, right? We get real churchy. Like, God, you can do it for me, but no, you can't do it for them. Did you know what they did? Did you see her Instagram post? My God, you can't do it for her. We get real churchy, right? And sometimes our traditions bind God. Not only do we bind God in a box of traditions according to what he can do in our lives, but then we try to bind him in what he will do in other people's lives. I remember uh, my pastor, uh, Pastor Sam, he was wrecked by this because he tells this story so well. And, you know, we've gone through a lot of changes as an organization, but, but he was wrecked by this because he thought the power of God only fell on people that looked a certain way for a long period of time. And as long as they dressed the part, then they could be a recipient of God's grace. And he tells this story of how there was a lady that came to church and, and she had this huge tongue ring, like, like big, big tongue ring. And, and my pastor took a little issue with it because as he's preaching, he can't help but observe this girl in the front who's got this big tongue ring. And as my pastor tells the story, that girl comes to the altar to be prayed for. She starts speaking in other tongues and all my pastor sees is her tongue ring. And then God speaks to him and says, don't ever doubt what I can do to other people that may not check the boxes of your criteria. And it just messed with him. And he said, we got to talk about some of this stuff because God's doing things in other people that my traditions wouldn't normally allow him to do. Listen, that just makes you human though, okay? I'm not trying to shame anyone in this room. Do you know how many times Jesus did something to the disciples? The disciples were like, well, why'd you do that for them? And she's a Samaritan. That was a Gentile. Send them away. And Jesus is like, I'm not sending them away. You know what that is? That, it, uh, that is us trying to get Jesus to fit into our box of tradition. And, 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 and so when we say you can't do it for someone else, that's because he's messing up our box. He's like, I'm not bound by this box. And, and, and when we say you can do it for me and you can't do it for other people, that's a box of religion. And that's the second box that I want to talk to you about. Because Jesus is not bound by the box of religion. It's box number two, okay? So he's not bound by the box of tradition. And he's not bound by the box of religion. And, and here's what I mean by that. When we read in Mark chapter 7, fingers in the ears, spitting the eyes, you know, spitting on the tongue. When you read all of that, you know what I take out of that? Jesus is saying, look, there's no one way to do this. There is no one way to do this. I mean, think about this for a second. When I read that stuff, to me, it's very strange. And I'm thinking, man, if this was not Jesus in the Bible... And had that happened today, someone would make a meme out of it, right? <laughs> it would say, this is the reason we can't go back. This is the reason we can't come out of quarantine, right? How have you seen those memes, right? We're like, why is Jesus doing it? Why is he spitting in people's eyes? I mean, why is he sticking his finger in people's ears? Why is he doing that? And then you get to John chapter 9, and, the, and, and it's almost like the disciples, I get this feeling that the disciples are almost afraid about what he was about to do to this blind man. They're like, well, man, you spit in someone's face. You like touch someone with the saliva. I mean, come on, what, what's he going to do now? And, and, and I think that's why he asked that question. But I say all that to say this, okay? I say all that to say this, that when Jesus 
comes to this blind man, he's about to do something strange again. So the Bible says he, he spits on the ground. He makes a mud patty, rubs it in this guy's eyes. The disciples were probably one more time like, for, is he for real? Like, is he going to do this again? The whole saliva thing again? Like, is he really going to do this? But get the, here's a kicker. That's not, even, that's not even the main point. Jesus tells him, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam and I want you to wash yourself off. It was the Sabbath day. You couldn't heal anyone on the Sabbath. So the reason I say that Jesus was not bound by the box of religion is religion says it doesn't matter if you're blind, you can't be healed on the Sabbath. And so when Jesus, on the heels of doing all these crazy things, and now you get to the third, the third blind man, Jesus says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not just going to do the saliva thing. This is probably like Jesus' conversation. I'm not just going to do the saliva thing, but I'm going to do it on the Sabbath. And now I'm really going to mess with people. Jesus is saying, I'm really going to mess with their religion. So he, he, he does the whole mud patties, right? And then he says, go wash off. This was a no-no. You, you, you couldn't do this on the Sabbath day. What Jesus told this guy to do was something that you did not do on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was like the original quarantine. <laughs> you didn't do anything on the Sabbath day. It was a day of rest. So you, you, you couldn't go to the pool of Siloam. You definitely couldn't heal anyone. And, and, and so the point that I'm trying to make here is not only did Jesus heal this man in a crazy way, but he did it on the Sabbath day because Jesus was so far outside of the box of religion that here's what happens. The rest of John chapter 9, and I only read the beginning and I read the end. The entire John chapter 9 is devoted to this man's miracle. The entire chapter. You might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Most miracles that we read, they're about eight verses, maybe 10 verses. And there's an entire chapter of other information, other stuff that happens. But the entirety of John chapter 9 is about this one man's miracle. Can I give you the executive summary? Otherwise, I'd have to read all 40 verses, all right? Let me give you the bullet points. Here's what happens. Jesus heals the man, okay? The man's neighbors notice him and they're like, wait a second, that's the blind guy. They can't believe that this man was healed. So they grab this man, they take him to the Pharisees. When they take him to the Pharisees, the Pharisees said, who healed you? He's like, I don't know much about him. I just know that his name is Jesus. And the Pharisees said, well, whoever he is, you can't be healed. It's the Sabbath day. So the next thing that happens is they go to the parents of the blind man. And when they go to the parents of the blind man, they wanted to make sure, is this your son? Yes. Was he really blind or was he posing for the gram? You know, it's like, and, and th this is all in there, okay? They're like, was he really blind? Parents are like, yeah, this is our son. And yes, he was born blind. And so they asked the parents, well, what happened? They're like, he's a grown man. Why don't you ask him what happened? So then they bring the blind man in one more time. And the Pharisees say this, tell you what, blind man, why don't you just say that it was God that did this miracle and don't tell anyone that it was this man named Jesus. And this guy says, I'm sorry, I cannot do that because it was Jesus that he me. So then the Pharisees kicked this guy out of the temple. They said, you can't come back anymore. And because they kicked him out, the Bible says that Jesus catches up with the blind man, knowing, watch this, that the religious people rejected him. Knowing that the religious people rejected the blind man, Jesus caught up with him. And then when he caught up with him, he revealed himself to this man. And the story ends with the verses that I read to you all. Jesus said this, I don't have a problem with blind people not being able to see, but I have a problem with people who have their vision and still can't see. I have a problem who can see 
with people who, who have their vision but still cannot see. You see, religion is knowing that God can use anyone and still getting mad when he does it. We say, God, you can use anyone. And then when he does, we get religious like, well, no, not them. You can't use them. Don't you know what they did? Don't you know where they've been? Religion is knowing that God can use any situation and then us getting mad when he does. And we'll do this when we put him in a box of religion. But when you have a relationship with God, here's the most important thing. When you have a relationship with God, you know that not only is he not bound by tradition, but he's also not bound by religion. Because religion said this man cannot, cannot be healed on the Sabbath. But here's the thing. Jesus was for the people, not for the religious system. And when you have subscribed to religion, you prioritize systems over people. When you have, I'll say that again. When you have subscribed to religion, you prioritize systems over people. People are secondary to the systems or let me say it this way, your preferences. That's a religious spirit. That's a religious spirit. Let me talk to you about the third box. Y'all ready for the third box? Jesus is not bound by your self-interest. Jesus is not bound by your self-interests. So I, I gave you the executive summary of John chapter 9. But, but, but here's something that you probably have not seen before. In Mark chapter 7 and in Mark chapter 8, Jesus heals the blind person and then he leaves them and he goes away. And he doesn't come back. He's like, Jesus does his thing and then he disappears. Can I read to you something out of John chapter 9 verses 18 through 23? Remember when I said that they brought the parents into the room? Watch what happens, okay? The Jewish leaders couldn't believe that this man was blind, so they called in his parents. And they asked his parents, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how is it that he can see? His parents replied, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. Watch this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. You guys catching that right there? His parents were more concerned about their self-interests than they were about their son's condition. They knew that if they vouched for him, they knew that if they stood up for their son, they knew that if they stood in the gap, if, if they interceded for their son, it was going to be to their detriment. And what happens is when we are more concerned about us and when we are more concerned about our self-interests, we produce a fatherless generation. We produce a fatherless generation when we prioritize our interests over what God is trying to do. And listen, Jesus doesn't go back to any other person, but he comes back to this guy. Go, go read those other stories. He doesn't go back. But he comes back to this guy, and I think he does that 
because this man was rejected by his own parents. He didn't just heal him and dip out like he normally does. Normally he, he heals and it's like mic drop moment, he's gone. No, 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 but, but he stuck around. And when he heard about what happened and when he heard that his parents were more concerned about their self-interests, the Bible says he came back. He came back because Jesus is always the one who goes back for the one. He always goes back for the one. And he reveals who he really is to this once blind man. He, he, he comes to him and, and he asks him the question, do you believe in the son of man? He's now starting to reveal who he is to this blind man. This blind man says, I don't know much about it. I don't know who he is. Can you introduce me to the son of man? Jesus tells him, you are speaking to the son of man. I love this. Because what tradition and religion casts to the side, Jesus goes after those people. Jesus goes after the people that our tradition and our religions get in the way of. It gets in the way of what he's trying to do. And so I'm coming to a close now. We talked about three boxes today. The box of tradition, the box of religion, and the box of self-interest. And if, if we're not careful, we could put Jesus into one of those boxes. Sometimes we fit him into our traditions. Maybe it's for us. Maybe it's for someone else. But, but it seems like the longer you're in your faith journey, the more traditions we tend to latch on to. You don't have to admit it. I'll say amen for you. But, but we tend to do that. We, we tend to create traditions. And then there's the religious side of things where we try to qualify and quantify people. We try, to, we try to tell Jesus who can be a recipient and who can't be a recipient. And then the last box, which is a difficult box, is the box of self-interest. The box of self-interest. God, you can't do something that gets in the way of what I want. And that's why the parents just said, you know what? We're just going to back away from our son. And I, you know, as a father, I can't fathom that. Y'all you know, know me. I got my three little boys, Jaden, Jude, and Jackson, four, six, and ten. Help me, Holy Ghost. Uh, but these parents were willing because of their own self-interest to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you should just go talk to him. You just go talk to him. And imagine that person who had been blind his whole life. And what should have been a day of celebration, religion said, oh, we don't get healed on the Sabbath. What should have been a cause for celebration, tradition says, wait a second, who made the mistake here? What should have been a day of celebration, his own parents said, hey, we're out. We want nothing to do with this. And yet that's the only time Jesus goes after someone. That's the time that Jesus goes after someone. And so for those of you that are watching online, maybe you feel like you're that guy. Maybe you feel like, you know, I feel like, I've not quite fit in with the church sometimes or I feel like I've not fit in with certain people groups and there's these traditions that I don't get and I'm still trying to figure out this whole religion thing and sometimes it seems like Christians only care about themselves and they don't really care about really what's happening in the world and my desire is that we would be a church that would not put God in a box, amen? My desire is that we would not be a church that would put God inside of any sort of box because he can't be boxed in. But maybe you inadvertently put him in a box. Today you can say, Father, break out of that box. Father, I, I remove the box of tradition. I remove the box of religion. And I definitely need to get my own self-interest out of the way. I need you to do what you want to do in my life. I want to take you in a moment of prayer. So right there, would you just lean in? And let's just pray.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm so thankful for these moments that we've shared together. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.